Is it not good to be in the presence of God, church? All right, now. All right, the other day I came across an article, and the article was talking about uh, how many young people are suffering with a condition called schizophrenia. What schizophrenia is, is basically you constantly hear voices in your head. And one of the guys was so, he had enough, he had enough. Like he was going through this for such a long period of time and eventually he had enough of it. Like he was sick and tired of having these voices keep telling him to do the wrong things. He had these voices that were always constantly telling him, oh, do this, go kill yourself, do that, do that, do that. And he had enough. So what he did, he walked into his house one day he went to the kitchen, got a knife, and started to scrape his head. Because what he intended to do is to reach inside his skull and take out the voices that were constantly telling him to do bad things. And these voices, they can never tell you to do anything good. Like that's why you hear most people, they will tell you that they heard voices telling them to go kill themselves. They heard voices telling them to do one thing or the other. So I was thinking about this, and this morning I've decided to minister a sermon I've entitled, The Voice of Death. I've preached here Sunday morning on a various, various occasions, but for some reason this is the first time I actually feel nervous. I don't know why, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know why, but I don't like it. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to quickly pray, and if you guys could pray for me as well in this place, Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you because there is no one like you. I thank you, O oh God, for the opportunity you have granted me this morning. I thank you, Father, Lord, because you alone are worthy to be praised. O oh God, I come against any evil thoughts in my mind right now, O oh God. I take power and authority, Lord, from your kingdom right now in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Let's quickly read our text, which is Mark chapter 6, verse 18 to 22, I think. Okay, and it says, For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against John, and he wanted to kill him. But she had not been able, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. When he heard John's word, he was greatly perplexed, yet listened to him gladly. On Herod's birthday, a opportunity arose. Herod held a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And, uh, and the king said to the girl, ask me, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he swore for her, whatever you ask of me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Then she went and asked her mother, what should I request? And the mother answered, the head of John the Baptist. Amen. So this is a famous, very famous story in the Bible. The death of, pardon me, the death of John the Baptist. We all know what happened. Uh, the daughter of Herodias uh, was dancing a sexual dance uh, so much that the, her uncle, uh, King Herod, was aroused by what she was doing. And uh, he offered to give a hope to half of his kingdom. And uh, he, she then went to her mother and requested, what should we do? What should we request from the king? And she asked the, the, the head of John the Baptist. Now, if we read a few scriptures before our text, we understand that there is something going on. So uh, by the time they had already killed him, and this is when the fame of Jesus Christ was already uh, reaching everywhere. The fame of Jesus Christ was growing so big that he got all the way to the doorstep of Herod. And uh, Herod even, if you read the scriptures before, Herod says, John the Baptist that I have slain has risen again. But we all know that Jesus Christ and John the Baptist are not the same person. 
But why did Herod say that? Well, it's because his conscience was keep, kept going back to what he had done to John the Baptist. His conscience kept flogging him. His conscience kept beating him up. And all he could think about day and night was the bloody head of John the Baptist. So what is our conscience? Which brings me to my first point, the conscience of man. Conscience is a moral sense between right and wrong. But when we look at it in a spiritual aspect, the conscience in the moral judiciary of the soul, the conscience is, uh, it doesn't lay down any laws, but it tells you that there are laws that have been laid. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to know what's right or wrong, and there is a reason why. So something has been imparted into each and every one of us to know the difference between what's right and what's wrong, and that is our conscience. Most of the times, our conscience will speak to us. You know, it will allow us to uh, determine what's good and what's right. So if you're about to do something wrong, there is something that will speak to you and tell you, bro, you shouldn't do that. And that's what your conscience is. Your conscience can distinguish between what's right and what's wrong. Can I get amen in this place? Amen. And now this is something that's been laid down by God from the beginning. So you will also have a conscience, but God has also laid it down on a verbal note. That's why he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. But Jesus Christ also laid it up again in the Sermon on the Mount. So this is something that we have heard time after time. Not just when our conscience speaks to us, but Jesus Christ and God have made it so clear for each and every one to understand that there is some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong. But most of the times, us as human beings, we also have free will. So we have choices to decide whether to follow what our conscience tells us or whether we ignore it. And if you keep ignoring your conscience time after time after time, well, there is something. The Bible tells us that there is a price to be paid. Why? Because the Bible talks about different kinds of conscience. It talks mainly about three. The first one I've already explained, the first uh, type of conscience is the one that can distinguish between right and wrong. But then the Bible also talks about the other two types of conscience. The first one is an evil conscience. What is an evil conscience? Well, we can see this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, which says, let us, draw near with true, let us draw near with true heart in assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So this is what an evil conscience. In layman's terms, uh, an evil conscience is literally the opposite of what a normal conscience is. You know, when you do something wrong, your conscience can tell you what you did was wrong. Uh, yeah, but you do something good, your conscience can encourage you to keep doing that good thing. But an evil conscience is the opposite. So when you do something wrong, it keeps telling you to do something wrong. When you're doing something right, it tells you, nah, let's not do that again. Let's do something wrong instead. That's what an evil conscience is. You intentionally choose to do bad things rather than do good things because why? Your conscience has been corrupted. Your conscience has turned from good to evil. So saying things that were previously good are no good anymore. Things that were previously evil are no evil anymore. This has now been changed. The second conscience is the defiled conscience. In Titus chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, Into them that are defiled, unbelieving is not impure, but even their mind and consciousness is defiled. A defiled conscience is when you consciously go against what you know is right. What you know is right. You know, we can distinguish between right and wrong, but you make a conscious effort, a conscious decision to fully go against it. You can, you can have an evil conscience, you can have a good conscience, but what uh, scares me the most about the scriptures that we, are, we have just read is that our conscience can be corrupted. 
Am I making sense this morning? Our conscience can be corrupted. Like I said before, things that were previously good will not be good to us anymore. And things that were previously evil will not be evil anymore. Because why? Our conscience, we have played so much with our conscience. We have ignored our conscience so much that our conscience, our conscience has now changed. Imagine, like we've heard the fantastic bass player this morning, Uncle Babs, we've heard the Uncle Gerald on the keys this morning. But imagine, imagine, like we've all heard how good the instruments sound. But imagine they wasn't to sound that good anymore. They will play, they will play the do instead of do. You hear C. <laughs> that means there is something wrong. But that's what our conscience does. When we play with our conscience so much, things that were once right tend attend into wrong, and things that were once wrong attend into right. So when we play, we play around. Our conscience tells us to do things. We decide not to listen. We decide not to follow. We decide not to uh, adhere to the things that they, our conscience is telling us. Our conscience now changes. It's like a bell. You keep taking a bell. You keep swinging it. Bim, bim, bim. It will ring, ring, ring. When, they, when the bell falls, you ring it. But nothing happened. Why? Because you have done it so much that the bell has fallen off. And this is what happens to our conscience. When we play with our conscience so much, things uh, begin to change. Things begin to change. When you go against your conscience so much, there comes a point, there comes a line when your conscience is no longer reliable at all. It comes a point in life where your conscience will lead you into the wrong direction. And when you have reached that point, you have become very dangerous. You're living a dangerous life because you will now struggle to know what's the difference between right and wrong. The Bible says, For then will they not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers, once purged, have no mercy. Sorry. Once purged, have no more conscience of sins. So that means that once we continue to engage ourselves in all those things, we will have no recollection of what is right and what is wrong. And this is the voice of death. Your conscience will now turn into the voice of death. Your conscience will now tentatively, will continue to lead you in things that are wrong. And our, our conscience that has been placed there by God to direct us between right and wrong has now turned into the voice of death. This brings me to my second point, the power of life and death. I want us to read Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, if you can get it on the screen, please. Which says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I came across this story not too long ago. I believe he's a pastor in our fellowship, actually. But before he was saved, he got in a dispute with one of his family members. He got in a dispute and he got so, the dispute got so agitated, he got so serious that this guy, the, 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 the guy at the time started cursing the woman. He started telling her different things, started swearing at the woman. And before you knew it, the woman got an heart attack and died there and then. So when I think about this, I don't necessarily think it was the heart attack that uh, caused the woman to die. But what it was, it was the power of life and death. We have just read that the power of life and death lies in the tongue. So that means that we can speak life into a situation, but we can also speak death into a situation just like this man did. Out of nowhere, like this woman, she was healthy, she was fine. She got in a quarrel and she died. There is a reason why that happened. So we have to be mindful of what we, what we um, put in ourselves. We have to be mindful of the things that we let speak over us. We have to be mindful of the word that we use in a situation. Why? Because things can change depending on what we speak into it. 
Can I get an amen this morning? You know, there are things that we might be dealing with, but what are you choosing to speak? What are you choosing to speak over the situation? What are you choosing to speak over the situation? Who, who are you allowing to speak into that situation? In other words, uh, in other words, even if we read uh, our scripture, we go back to verse 18, which says, For John has said unto the Lord, unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have your brother's wife. So John the Baptist was the con in this, we can use him as the conscience of Herod. John the Baptist in this example was the conscience of Herod. He was an advisor. He was an advisor. In this generation, we have various advisors. We have external advisors and we have uh, internal advisors, which is our conscience. So uh, John the Baptist had made a statement telling him that it is wrong for you to lie with your, bro with your brother's wife. Which is all kind of crazy, to be honest. Like, I don't know why you'd see your brother's wife and decide to lay with her. But Herod was a very weird character, as we have seen. But yeah, uh, so this is what was going on. So John the Baptist was telling Herod the difference between right and wrong. But then what happened, he also had other advisors, which was Herodias. Herodias understood that uh, uh, John the Baptist was going to... Uh, make differences in her plan. She had plans to, uh, well, perhaps grow into the kingdom, continue to sleep with her, uh, <laughs> her brother-in-law and continue to do different things. But John the Baptist had told him, and if we read our scripture, it said that uh, Herod feared and was gladly listened to John the Baptist. That means that John the Baptist would tell him, don't do it. And he would be like, hmm, okay, this is good. But then he would listen to Herodias and Herodias would tell him, do it. And this is what happens in our life, especially the young men of this generation, young people of this generation. Sometimes I think our mind, it turns into Nike, just do it. You see anything, you just do it. But in reality, we need someone, we need something that tells us, don't do it. I know you want to go meet, you want to go smoke that weed, but don't do it. I know that you want to go to meet that boy, meet that girl for Netflix and kill, but don't uh, now, you guys, I need some cooperation this morning. I said, I know you want to go meet that boy. You want to go meet that girl for Netflix and kill, but don't. All right, now. I know you want to go uh, out there and engage yourself with different things that the world is engaging with, but don't. All right, now. And this is the reality. So John the Baptist has turned into the conscience of Herod. John the Baptist was able to tell him what's the difference between right and wrong. And Herod gladly listened to what John the Baptist said. But it's also you have allowed somebody else to come and speak things into your life. And the person that you have allowed to speak things in your life wasn't speaking anything good. In fact, she wanted you to continue to do the things that we were once involved with. So it is important to we are allowed to speak in our life. And eventually, Evodius got a chance to kill John the Baptist. So now you could say that, uh, that Herod was willing to listen to John the Baptist. But now John the Baptist is completely out of the picture. So the only advisor that Herod has is who? Herodias. So we have to be mindful of the people we keep around us, number one. And we also have to be mindful of what we allow them to speak into our life. Am I making sense this morning? Life and death lies in the power of the tongue. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Are they speaking anything good? Are they encouraging you? Yes, you're going to trials. You're going through this. But there is a way out. Or are they telling you, well, that one is your own. Like, whatever happens, happens. If you make it out, you make it out. If you don't make it out, you will die. <laughs> what are you letting speak into your life? Who we let speak into our life is very, very important. 
as we've just read, I've given a story of the guy that pretty much spoken things over his, uh, over a, a, a family member and she died. That could have been the story of many of us here. Who do we allow to speak into our life? Who speaks good things into our life? I've also spoken about um, internal advisors and external advisors. Internal advisors will always be our conscience. Okay, now, uh, the Bible says that uh, John the Baptist was uh, in the palace of Herod. So the palace in this scenario can be your mind. And your internal advisor will be your conscience. So who, what is your conscience telling you? What is your internal advisor telling you? Our external advisors in this day and age can be our TV, our radio, our YouTube, all the things that we do outside of our mind, outside of ourselves, they can all be classified as external advisors. So what is speaking into our life? What is saying about us? You know, I think it was a time I was um, hanging around with some of the guys and one of them made a statement and he said, would you like for everything that comes through your mind to be displayed on a screen for everybody to see? <laughs> I had the question, I laughed. Because if I even say everything that comes to my mind, I'm not going to lie. Some of you actually think I'm nice. But if everything that I actually think, if everything I actually... <laughs> yeah, Kala, I don't think many of you would actually like me anymore. But... The... <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm still nice. Like, I don't have any bad thoughts about anyone. Uh, but yeah, jokes aside, yeah, that's very important. So what we allow in ourselves, what we allow around us is very, very important. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? So we have to be mindful of the things that we allow into us. We, allow, we have to be mindful of the things that we allow into us, of the people that know, uh, that the people that know about our situation. External advisors. And uh, like I said before, our conscience can be corrupted. And when our conscience is corrupted, uh, our directions can be changed. So now, when your conscience is driving you to the correct point, your conscience is driving you to where you ought to be, our conscience is driving you to who you are supposed to hang around with, once our corruption has been, uh, uh, has been corrupted, well, our direction also changes. Our direction also changes. And if our direction changes, that means our life will also change. Uh, God might have had a plan for us, but because of the things that we have allowed into us, everything has now changed. Everything has now changed. Everything can turn around. 360, you might have been going the right direction. You might have been hanging around with people that were telling you, yeah, come to Christ, Jesus loves you. And you were making a decision to follow Christ. But because you have allowed different things into your mind, you have allowed different uh, external advisors to sway you to the wrong direction, everything has now changed. So who you mingle with, who you chill with, who you speak to is very, very important. Because the power of life and death lies in the tongue. External advisors. You know, I think I'm going to picture this. I think I've done it once before. I'm just going to do it again because I don't think everybody's understanding what I'm saying. So if I could get Brother Paul for me, please, if you could come to the front for me. If I could get Billionaire as well, since you're laughing, you can come as well. <laughs> so I'm going to be, actually, yeah, Brother Paul is going to be John the Baptist, amen. Amen. When you hear him preach, you will call him Paul the Baptist. Amen. <laughs> We're going to get a billionaire. A billionaire is going to be King Herod. Amen. <laughs> All right. So this is our mind. Our conscience is telling us, don't do it. Don't do it. All right. And then King Herod is listening and he said, hmm, this is good. 
This is good. All right. And then I'm going to be, unfortunately, I'm going to be Herodias. And I'm going to tell you, do it. So do it. Oh, no, you can't say anything. <laughs> so this is it. This is what was going on in the mind of King Herod. He had somebody that was telling him, don't do it. But then again, he also had somebody that was telling him, do it. And this guy was now confused because in his mind, there are voices that are conflicting against each other. There are voices that are fighting against each other. So who is going to take, the, who's going to take dominion over the situation? This guy was not confused. So just be confused for me. Yeah? Just walk up and down, put your hand on your hair. Thank you very much. Yeah, he's already confused. Amen. So this is what was going on. This is what was going on in the life of Herod. He was walking up and down his palace, confused, not knowing who he should listen to. This guy was puzzled. Something was going on in his mind and he did not know what to do. And this was what's going on. And some of us are in the same predicament Herod was in. We're listening to external advisors while our mind is telling us one thing. Our, the Bible is saying another thing. Our friends are telling us another. The, the pastor in church is telling us one thing. This person is telling us one thing. We are confused. We don't know who to listen to. And this is a clear representation of what was going on. You have external advisors that are telling you to do one thing. You have your internal advisors, your conscience, or John the Baptist in this scenario telling us to do one thing, yet you're still confused. Thank you very much, guys. God bless you. If you can put your hands together for them. Thank you very much. But that's what's going on. That's the reality. We are confused because you don't know who to listen to. There are so many things going on in this today's society. You know, things that were once wrong are now right. You know, when I, when I, was, when I was growing up, I thought to be gay was the wrong thing. But right now, let me stand up, go down and say that. The police will come and arrest me. Why? Because they'll say I'm inciting hate speech. Let me say that at work. Trust me, the next day they will hand me my resignation letter. <laughs> but that's what's going on. In this society, we are so confused because we do not know who to listen to. We are so confused because the things that were once right are now wrong. The things that were once wrong are now right. So in this society, we are so confused because there is so much going on. There is so much going on. And we are still confused on who we should listen to. But this brings me to my last point this morning, which is whose voice do you accept? I'm going to read John chapter 10, verse 27 to 28, which says, My sheep hears my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck any of them out of my hand. So this is what God is telling us. Yes, there are external advisors. Yes, I've given you an internal advisors. But you have to listen to my voice. Because I have created you. God is telling us that he has a plan and purpose for our life. God is telling us that yes, there are so many things going on in the world. There are so many things that are wrong. There are so many things that are right. But listen to my voice. Because the only thing that's never changed, we can read the Bible through Genesis to Revelation. Look at what's going on in our lives. And we can understand that the only thing that's remained the same over this amount of years is God himself. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday. Come on now. So the only person that can never change is God. The only person that can never change is the God that has a plan to prosper us. The only God that cannot change is him who sent his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary that we may be saved. So yes, there are a lot of voices going on. But those voices eventually can change. That means our direction can change. But God is the only one that from the beginning, 
from the beginning has had the same plan for us. He's the only one that has known us from the womb. The Bible says, uh, I formed you from the womb to be my servant, to bring up the back, to bring up the tribe of Jacob unto me. That's what the Bible says. That means that you, some of us were born 20 years ago. Some of us were born 50 years ago. Some of us might have been born 100 years ago. But God has known you before you were born. God has known you throughout all the time that you've been in this life. God has known you. Yet his plan for you has remained the same. The only thing that has changed is the voices that we listen to. So whose voice are we listening to? Whose voice are we choosing to accept? Is it the voice of God? Or is it the voice of the external advisors? Or is it the voice of Herodias or a daughter? You want to do a sexual dance and then you'll be aroused and then your mind completely leaves you. You start doing things that you don't want to do. Because why? If we look at the story of Herod, he did not want to kill John the Baptist. He did not want to kill him because I said it before, he was glad to listen to him. He accepted the word of John the Baptist. He was happy with what John the Baptist told him. Although sometimes he was contrary to what he wanted, he accepted it. That means he was glad that somebody was telling him, no, don't do it. But yet, what happened? Somebody did a sexual dance, little two-step, shaking leg, and eventually he lost all composure. <laughs> he lost all composure, and he told them, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. If this would have happened in private, I'm telling you, he would have said, look, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom, but John the Baptist, you cannot touch. But because all his people were there, we read that the important people at the time were all at that feast. All the important people that lived at that time, that were important in the, king, in the kingdom of Herod, were all there. Were all there. Every single one of them were there. And now, if he would have said, oh, John the Baptist, yeah, you can't have that one. All of them would have said, well, that means that Herod is not a man of his word. Because you promised this woman half of your kingdom. She asked you a request of a, a man, a single man. So you don't even have to give her a city in your kingdom. You don't even have to buy her a house. You don't have to buy her a Maserati. You just need to give her the head of a human being. And you're telling me, no, Herod understood that. Despite the fact that he didn't want to do it. The things that he has spoken around people. The things that he has said around the, those people. The things that he had promised. There is no way out for him. And so he had to do it. He had to do it. But this is why we should always listen to the voice of God. This is why we should listen to the only voice that remains true. You are standing the test of time. Because the things that we are pursuing in life, yes, they will come and go. But the only thing that remains true is the word of God. Can I get an amen in this place? There are many external advisors. But this morning, church, I want to encourage us to continue to hearken to the voice of God. To continue to listen to the voice of the Father. The Bible tells us, take my yoke for my yoke is easy. The Bible has told us, hear my voice, my sheep hears my voice. That means we have to be mindful that God is trying to tell us something. That God is trying to speak to us. But are we listening? Are we letting external advisors, just like Herodias, take our mind away? sway our conscience in one way or another that we might be able to listen to other things but the voice of God we won't listen to anymore. What are we doing? Whose voice are we accepting? Whose voice are you accepting in your life? You know, I gave the story about um, the man that uh, had a quarrel with one of his family members. Eventually, the guy came back to Christ 
And the guy became a pastor. Like I said, he's a pastor in his fellowship now. But eventually, he had to listen to the voices of external advisors. But the external advisors he had gathered himself with were good. Were people of Christ. Were people. Today, Billionaire made a fantastic point in, um, in, in Men's Breakfast. He said that fire is contagious. He said that we have the spirit of God. And as men, we have to come together and we will be able to take from each other and we will be able to spread the fire. He made a fantastic point. And this is what had happened in the life of this pastor. He surrounded himself with people that were connected to God. He surrounded himself to people that were listening to the voice of God. And eventually, this guy turned his life around and listened to their advices. And eventually, him himself was able to listen directly to the voice of God. So this is what happens. So who you surround yourself with is very, very important. Very, very important. In fact, we've known the story of the guy that was sick and his friends decided to take him to Christ. This guy could not move, was in bed, could not move, but they still laid him down so that Christ could pray for him. So if this is what happened, this is what the power of the people you surround yourself with can't do. Do you think that who you surround yourself with does not matter? Do you think that the people that speak things into your life does not matter? There are things in this life that's very, very important. Who you surround yourself with is important. Who speaks things into your life is important. Whose voice you listen to is also important. If you receive it today, clap your hands in this place. 